Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. For those who are able, please remain standing for the reading of our scripture this morning. I'll be reading from the letter of James, first chapter, beginning with verse 17. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep one's self unstained by the world. The word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. I think it's safe to say that if there is one common item that we all have in our homes, we have in our cars, we have in our workplaces, in our schools, it's a mirror. I mean, how many of us have mirrors in our homes and in all these other places? It seems that you can't go very far without a mirror. I know that when I walk into the church, each day and I come through the chapel door, the first thing that greets me on the right-hand side is a mirror. I come into my office and on the left-hand side, there's a mirror. There's a mirror on the bathroom door. There's a mirror above the bathroom sink. There are mirrors in hallways, in stores, in restaurants, and they're even on our phones. Did you know that? There's a mirror on your phone. I learned this from a teenage girl. You take your camera on your phone and you put it on reverse and you get to see yourself. I like that because then I can take a look to see if I have anything in my teeth, if I have any food on my face, and then to make sure that my hair and my makeup is done properly because you never know anymore what's going to happen when you walk outside. 
There are mirrors everywhere we go. Some of them are very practical, and some of them are just decorative. But sometimes, if you're like me, and there's a mirror, you don't want to look in it. You want to quickly pass it by because you just don't want to know what you look like today. Has that ever happened to you? You want to quickly walk on by. And yet there are other times when we take too much time and stand in front of that mirror or look in that mirror, and we are so absorbed with what we see, especially what's on the outside. Can't get away from mirrors. They are everywhere. Uh, for first, Christ, first century Christians, they didn't have the abundance of mirrors that we have everywhere. Certainly, they were not as clear as our mirrors are. A mirror in first century was like looking into a piece of metal so it was slightly distorted or looking into a pool of water. And James, in his letter here that I just read, portion of it, is using this image of a mirror to get at the heart of what it means to not just be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. And we're going to spend some time with James over these next eight weeks. James, if you've never read it, is, it's a short five-chapter letter, um, and it is very dense, but it is chock full of wisdom and practical ways to live out our faith. And so I think at the beginning of this new year, what better way to begin than to begin to think about practical ways to live out what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus in our everyday life. And I think as so often happens for us, we read our Bibles, maybe we come to church, maybe we hear a sermon, and we wonder, what does this mean? What does this mean for our life? How is this important? How can we apply this to our everyday life? Now, I, I don't think that we can help it, but sometimes, sometimes we often want to separate those first century Christians from Christians today. But really, what happened in first century with the Christians is really no different than the Christians today and what is happening with us in our everyday life. The human condition has not changed. We're still humans. We still sin. We're still struggling with what it means to do right and to do wrong. We're still easily influenced by culture. And we wonder, what does it look like to be a faithful follower of Jesus and we know that being a Christian in today's world can be really, really hard. Well, it was hard in the first century, too. As Methodists, our faith is a practical one. We're practical people. John Wesley knew the importance of what it is that we believe, but the Methodist movement was not doctrinal, which means we know what we believe as far as Jesus, as far as the Trinity, as far as salvation and eternal life. That wasn't in dispute. Where we get the word Methodist is from the method, how we live out our faith in a daily way. The Christian life, and I think we know this, the Christian life isn't something that we take out when it's convenient, it's not a special event. It doesn't require special clothing, but it's something that's part of us. From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we close our eyes at night, we are always Christians. I think that's what James is intending for his hearers to hear. And James, he's got some pull. 
It's got some pull because he's the brother of Jesus. He's not one of the apostles, but he is the brother of Jesus. And when James has something to say, people listen. People listen to James, even people like the apostle Paul. Apostle Paul listened to James And both James and Paul had different audiences. James had a different audience than Paul. Uh, Paul's audience was basically to Gentiles um, out in the Roman world, and he was trying to convert. He was writing to individual churches, and he was trying to help them lead Christian lives and going over the doctrines, what does it mean to be a Christian? James is a little bit different. He is actually writing a letter to Jewish Christians who are in Judea and who are throughout the Roman Empire. And this letter wasn't one letter that was to one specific church. It was to be sent to several churches because it was addressing what does it mean to be a Jewish Christian in the Roman world. James is what we consider to be in the New Testament wisdom literature. It's much like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Words of wisdom, practical advice. It's words that I think that if you were to take it and you were to write it on a post-it, you were to put it maybe on a mirror in your bathroom, maybe at home um, on the refrigerator, maybe you put it on your computer at work, you put it on your rear view mirror in your car, or practical words to remember as you go through your day-to-day life. And I'd like to think that if James was teaching this and he had a podcast during this time, that it would have been one of the highest-ranked podcasts for Christians at the time, because it's so incredibly practical. But not only that, it's motivational, it's encouraging, it's honest, and he doesn't mince words, James. I mean, just look at the very beginning. If you were to begin and read this letter, they're wise words. When you face trials, consider it a joy. The testing of your faith produces endurance. That's something to put on a mirror. God cannot be tempted by evil, and God does not tempt us. Every generous and perfect gift comes from God. I think we need to remember that sometimes, don't you think? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think I'm going to say that again. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Those are wise words. Over the course, I think, of these past few years, we've seen this being played out in our day-to-day lives, haven't we? Anger and rage is rising exponentially in our world. I mean, we never know when we get on an airplane anymore if the person that we're sitting next to is going to lose it. We don't know if suddenly they're going to get really angry because the flight attendant hasn't brought them coffee or hasn't given them a blanket or they're sitting there, they're muttering about somebody's baggage being too large and why didn't they check it in and I can't believe this. We've seen it, that people are getting so angry that they're being strapped to their seats or they're being removed from airplanes because they're so angry. I mean, we see it in the grocery store too. You ever see that? I can't believe that. I can't believe they did that. I was at the doctor's office last week, walked in, guy was talking to the receptionist, and he was getting angry. He said, I've already filled that form out. I've already filled that form out. Yes, sir, but we know you need to fill it out again. I know that you did it online, but we need, no, no, I already filled that out. I'm not filling it out again. Yes, sir, we know, no. Where's your manager? Where's your manager? Right there, right there, anger. 
anger. It's everywhere. It's on the road. You ever get any road rage recently? I'm telling you, it's dangerous out there. I got to be careful. I'm trying to make sure I always use my blinker now. I never know who's going to get angry at me. It's anger in our government. Anger in our politics. Anger in the church. Anger in our families. And James is reminding us... (laughs) Don't be like those who stand in front of a mirror and admire yourselves and then you walk away from it. Don't just say, I believe and I am a Christian and then do nothing about it and don't think that anything else is required. It's like a preacher I once heard who said, hearing and not obeying God is a bit like getting some chocolate frosting on your face during dessert and you turn away And you walk around all day long. You've looked at yourself in the mirror. You don't seem to be bothered by it. You go and you walk around all day long, (laughs) never seeing that embarrassing smudge. Have you ever done that? That's on your face. A little piece of chocolate right there. You never bother to wipe it off because you forgot it was even there. Be doers, not just hearers of the word. I know we forget. I know we forget. And sometimes anger is a good thing. Anger is a good thing. Righteous anger is important because we might see somebody who's being mistreated, somebody who's being harmed. We might see an injustice that's occurring. And I think this is a challenge for us to act. We see that Jesus himself in the temple overturned the tables of the money changers because he was having and experiencing righteous anger. But he never, ever mistreated anybody. Jesus never mistreated anybody, ever. He always treated people with love and with mercy. You know, the golden rule, we shared this with the children, to treat others as you yourself want to be treated. We cannot let anger have its way with us and control us and have the last word. Because then we become merely hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And when anger takes over, I think that's when we're supposed to take out our mirrors and take a good long look at ourselves, not mirrors so that we can see our reflection and then walk away, but I think mirrors to take a look at ourselves, to take a deep look in what's going on deep inside of us, inside of our souls. What do you see when you take a mirror and reflect it upon your soul? Oh, sure, I know that we can be hard on ourselves, and and maybe we see all those negative things about ourselves, the things that maybe that others have said to us that have hurt us, or maybe the self-criticism that we seem to be really good at. But if you look really, really hard into that mirror, you will see the implanted word of God. You'll see the implanted word of God because the moment we say, I believe in Jesus, that word is there. It's not gone. It's there, it's bright, it's a beautiful jewel shining within us. And no one can ever take that away from us. No hurtful words, no anger, not even whatever is happening in the world. 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, James says, and it's inside of you. Don't let anyone ever take that away from you. It's a gift of Christ, and it's the gift of salvation. But you can't just let it sit there and not put it to use. you got to love God, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. It's what we're called to. I want to close with a story. A number of years ago, I was an associate pastor um, at Birmingham United Methodist Church in Milton, Georgia. The pastor and I were actually appointed at the same time. Um, the, we replaced a clergy couple who had been there for 15 years. About a year into our tenure there, the pastor received a call that would change the life of his family. And I was there the day that he got the call. In fact, he was not far from my office And I could see his face as he received that call, and it literally let the breath out from under him, and he had to take his hand and put it on a chair so that he could sit down because of the words that he heard. And I think he was just simply too shocked to even cry, because that day he learned that his niece, who was a Peace Corps volunteer, had been murdered. She was on her front porch, and in the middle of the night, someone came and slit her throat. And, needless to say, the family was devastated. It was his sister's daughter. And, of course, what unfolded after that was sort of the realization of that our, some Peace Corps volunteers often go into places that are not well-populated, and there is very little access to resources. And of course, the, may, the story made the headlines. The pastor told me that one of our state senators had reached out to his sister offering to help if there was anything at all, at all that he could do to help her. And the pastor said to me, he's like, I don't know if she's going she's gonna to call him. And I said, well, why is that? And he says, well, you know, my sister is a die-hard progressive Democrat. And the person who reached out to her is a Republican senator by the name of Johnny Isaacson. On the day of this young woman's funeral, there were Peace Corps volunteers. Some of the leaders of the Peace Corps came and were at that service, as was Johnny Isaacson. And that's where I first met Johnny Isaacson at the funeral of Kate Pusey. He was gracious and he was kind and he supported this family and he developed a strong bond with them and a strong friendship with them. Senator Isaacson advocated for Peace Corps reform on behalf of this family and on behalf of all Peace Corps volunteers and presented legislation that was voted on and approved in 2011, and it became known as the Kate Pusey Peace Corps Volunteer Protection Act. As you know, Senator Isaacson's memorial service was this past week, and it celebrated a man who's a good father, was shared beautifully, a good friend, a strong leader, a patriot, 
and it was shared that he was someone willing to do the right thing even when it was hard. But I think it's worth noting, in part why I share it, is because his service took place at Peachtree Road United Methodist Church, the place where he was baptized. He was a United Methodist. But more importantly than that, he was a Christian. And he was willing, even in a cantankerous place like Congress, to be a Christian. And as for Kate Pusey's mom, no, she did not become a Republican. <laughs> but she was featured in one of his campaign ads for re-election. And this is what she said. So much was done to honor her, her daughter. And a lot of that is due to Johnny Isaacson. He keeps a picture of her on his desk. And he helped us get justice for our daughter in Benin. And he also was able to help get a law passed that better protects Peace Corps volunteers. And she says, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm so grateful that he was my senator. This is not a political push, but a way to say that our religion is useless if we do not care for others, if we let ourselves be stained by the world, succumb to hate and anger, and refuse to act like a Christian, well, I guess then it might be time to take a close look in the mirror. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.